Um, I want to start just by saying thank you to you all. Um, we've really appreciated and felt your prayers and support over the last six to eight weeks <laughs> um, during my sabbatical and in the return trying to settle back in over the last week or so. Just thank you for your graciousness and for that time and for you know understanding and respect of that time. It was it was um really good time. Um I learned a lot of things about myself. Um and a pretty key thing that I learned came from a message that I heard a few weeks ago. I was visiting my home church, Dorseyville Alliance, uh, where I grew up and Pastor Mark Conklin uh there you know, his message was inspired by a message during council, and I'm sure some of you uh, heard a little bit of that, uh, but Spencer Sweeting uh, preached on a similar concept at council. And so just kind of really felt impacted um, by the two of those messages, and I really want to share them with you this morning, uh, and how God has impacted me with that. It's really challenged me and convicted me, and I want to pass that along. Um, I was actually talking with another pastor in town this week, kind of telling him a little bit about where where I was headed, and he goes, hmm, I might preach that this week. (laughs) And I said, it's already Friday, and he goes, so? (laughs) But uh, if you sense the Spirit convicting you this morning, challenging you, lean into that. Embrace that. Allow Him to shape you. you pray with me as we enter into God's word this morning? Lord, just prepare our hearts this morning. Lord, soften our hearts. Break us apart. As we just sang, Lord, we we ask that you would carry on your resurrecting work in us. As you shape us to be more and more like you. Just prepare us for what you want to do in and through us. In your name we pray. So this illustration is kind of a funny one for me because it's about coffee. And as many of you know, I hate coffee. <laughs> but I know that a lot of you love coffee. How many, how many coffee drinkers? And I figured that'd be a, a decent turnout on that one. <laughs> um, but uh, I have to agree with something Spencer Sweeting said during council. He said he, th- he used to think he has since started drinking coffee, but he used to think coffee tasted like cinders and ashes and the tears of children. (laughs) Uh, I know he grew into it uh, because he forced himself to drink coffee. And I am a firm believer that if I have to force myself to drink it, it isn't worth it. (laughs) Uh, But I know many of you love coffee. Uh, I learned something new about coffee that I didn't know before. Maybe you knew this. Uh, and I'm telling you something you're familiar with, but when you drink a cup of coffee, you actually taste its origins, where it grew, the soil in which it grew. It's influenced by the other things that are in the soil. That's why you get such different coffees from all over the world, because the coffee is influenced by what's in the soil in which it grows. Because it goes into the roots and influences the flavor of what is produced. 
the way it's grown, the way it's processed, the way it's roasted, the way it's poured. It all brings out the complexity of the flavor of its origin, where it was rooted. As much as it pains me to say this, we are like coffee. Let me get past that for a second. Uh, What we produce begins with our roots. We pick up the flavor of the soil that we're rooted in. This morning we're going to be in John chapter 15. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 17. Uh, You can turn there. Uh, Your digital bulletin also has links to the passages if you want to use your Bible app to to go to that. But we're going to start in verse 9, John chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So if we look at this passage through the lens of the coffee, we bear the fruit of the soil that we're rooted in. Fruit is the proof of what we're abiding in. The flavor we have comes from our roots. The first and primary goal for us as followers of Christ is to be aware of and abide in his presence. So to define abide a little bit, it means to remain with, to stay with, to reside in, to dwell with. And so to abide in Christ as actually some translations even say, to remain, is to remain in him. It's to reside in his presence. So in this chapter, not just in the passage we read, but in the whole chapter, John 15, uh, Jesus uses the word abide ten times. And we're all familiar with what repetition in the Bible means. It means it's important. Jesus said it 10 times in this conversation because it's important. And when we abide in Jesus, we pick up his flavor. As we process this, as we try to move forward with this, we have to evaluate whether we are abiding in Jesus. How? How do we do that? By taking a look at the fruit that our lives are producing. That's what doctors do, right? They look at your symptoms 
And by looking at the symptoms, they can tell what you have or don't have. Similar here. Look at the fruit that your life is producing and you can see what you're abiding in. Do our lives reflect the character of Jesus? His flavor. Author and theologian John Stott, uh, he said this, Christ-likeness is the will of God for the people of God. His likeness is his flavor. The evidence that we belong to him is that his character, his flavor, is being formed in us. When our roots are in him, they're picking that up from him. We gain his personality by abiding in the sacred presence of his spirit. A.W. Tozer, who's one of those famous alliance guys, this is what he said. And this one, this one was hard. We may as well face it. The whole level of spirituality among us is low. We have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus in the things of the spirit is all but gone. We have imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord, and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. He wrote that 60 years ago. Sounds like he could have wrote it last week. And it's amazing how often we see that. Some of these theologians writing books a while ago. Some of the problems they were seeing then are still problems now. We can discern the pedigree of our tree by its fruit. So, can you try this morning, this week, whatever, to do some honest evaluation? Evaluate your fruit. Because it's not a question of whether you're going to bear fruit. It's just a matter of what fruit you're bearing. We're going to dive a little further into John 15. We're going to look at some other passages too to see this concept. This fruit is the proof of what you're abiding in, in the life and words of Jesus. And the first way is that Jesus' life evidences it. Look back at a few of these verses here. Verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus' life on earth shows that fruit is the proof of what you're abiding in. He's our inspiration to abide. He abided in the Father's love. And thus, he produced love. And he loves us so that as we abide in him, we too can produce love. Or rather, that he can produce it in us. He showed the greatest love of all when he gave his life for us. And in this passage, he says, there is no greater love. You can do it too. Couldn't help but think of this. I, I tell my kids, 
not to snack right before dinner or that they can't have dessert until they eat all their fruits and vegetables, right? And then I go in the kitchen and I grab a cookie and I stand at the sink with my back to my kids so they can't see me eating said cookie. And there's the occasional time where they come in and they're like, hey, how come you get a cookie? And more times than not, my answer is because I'm a grown-up. <laughs> Which is probably not a legit answer. <laughs> Pretend you didn't hear that, Eden. But do you know what I'm saying without saying it in that situation? Do as I say, not as I do. I think more times than not, our lives say, do as I say, not as I do. What I say and what I do in that particular situation and in probably many other areas don't line up. But that's not the case with Jesus. He came. He lived a life on earth. And what he said lined up with what he did. It still does. He doesn't say to us, do as I say, not as I do. Everything he said, he lived. He said to abide. But he said that with the backing of the fact that he regularly went off on his own to abide in the Father. There was power in his words to say, abide, and this is what will happen, because he did it. He abided, and this is what happened. He remained, he abided, he lived in perfect obedience, and we see the fruit of his life one of the reasons he came. Jesus is our inspiration. His life evidences our main idea. Fruit is the proof of what we are abiding in. Not only did his life evidence it, but his commands require it. His commands are referenced five times in this passage. Five times. What Jesus taught us here, gives us direction about what abiding looks like. If we're going to produce fruit consistent with who Jesus is, we have to obey what he says. We can't just hear the words and then do whatever we want and call that abiding. Part of abiding is obedience. And this passage shows us several results that flow from that obedience. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. When we obey his commands, we remain in his love. He states it pretty simply. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. When we obey his commands, our joy is complete. And we're going to get to the list, but remember, love and joy are on the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We'll be able to sacrifice just like Jesus did. He laid down his life for us. I might be able to do this in my own strength once in a while, well, and literally once if it's actually laying down my life. But consistently, I can do it. I can surrender my rights and my desires if I'm abiding in him. I can't do it if I'm not abiding. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. 
But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. We continue to learn and understand more and more of the will of God and the deep things of God. To obey is to abide. So I thought of this story from a while back. Uh, we were moving into our first apartment and our first ministry. Uh, technically, it was my apartment for five months and then became our apartment. <laughs> but um, So a bunch of people from the church I was coming on staff with uh, came over to help us unload and kind of get stuff settled in in the apartment. And I had these chairs from college that I had taken apart. It was easier for storage. Um, but I needed to put them back together. So a couple people were like, yeah, we'll put them together. Uh, but I didn't have the instructions. I just handed them all the parts. <laughs> I was like, I had them separated so you could tell this is for this chair, this is for this chair, right? So, but, you know, as guys do, they turned it into a competition. Uh, we had two younger guys, kind of early 20s on one team, and two not-so-young guys on the other team. Uh, and so they said, all right, whoever builds a chair first wins. There's no prize. You don't need a prize. It's just the pride of winning, right? Uh, guys, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so the, the two not-so-young guys finished first. They zoomed right through it, right? And uh, one, of the, one of the young men walks over, looks at the chair, grabs it by like the back part, and lifts, and the whole thing like unfolded. Put it back down, and walked back over to putting, never said a word. <laughs> um, you know, they eventually figured out what their problem was. Both chairs got put together. Um, but if you don't do things the way that they're meant to be done, it doesn't work. <laughs> If you don't follow the instructions now, to be fair to them, I didn't give them instructions. (laughs) Uh, They had to figure it out on their own. But if we don't follow the instructions, it doesn't work. End up with parts left over or (laughs) you used all the parts, but it's not together right. But guess what? We have the instructions. But if you don't follow the instructions, it doesn't work. We've been talking about the Ten Commandments through the summer with youth group. We started out just a, a general, and we were talking about them as less of a list of do's and don'ts and more of guidelines to help us live the kind of life that God's calling us to. You want the fruit of the Spirit to produce in your lives? Live like this. Is what the point of the Ten Commandments was. You want to live the life I'm calling you to? Here's how. Here's the instructions. Fruit is the proof of abiding, and a big piece of abiding is obedience. The third one is that Jesus' Spirit produces it, the fruit. We're going to be looking in Galatians 5. We're not quite there, but If you want to flip there, you can do so now. We're going to sit in this one for a bit this morning. 
the fruit of abiding does not come from our own power. You see, there's this skewed view of the fruit of the Spirit. We look at it like you need to love, you need to have patience, you need to be kind, and so on and so forth. But they're viewed as things you do. Things you consciously decide, I need to do this. I need to be better at doing this. It's not going to work if I'm the one doing it. Abiding in Jesus unleashes the work of his spirit in our lives. He empowers us to bear fruit. We're not first called to achieve for Jesus, but to abide in Jesus. Not to argue for Jesus, abide. He says, come, be with me so you can be like me. Zechariah chapter four, verse six says, not by power, not by power, but not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not our power, it's not our might. It's his. Former professor at Asbury Theological Seminary, Robert Mulholland, he said this, we will expend amazing amounts of energy and resources to be in the world for God. But you see, we're called to be in God for the world. All of that energy expended for God is not what the world needs. They need to witness the lives of people who are living in God. We can't walk in his power we don't abide in him, rooted in the sacred power of his presence. To follow that up is a quote from poet William Blake. Very short, very simple. We become what we behold. Abiding is beholding Jesus with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Let the doing flow from just being doesn't mean we don't do things for God, but that doing has to flow from our abiding in him. Our job is not to produce the fruit. Our job is to dig our roots down into the right soil and abide in him so that he can produce the fruit in us. Let's look in Ephesians 3. I'll just read it for you. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the fullness of God. You see, we tend to be rooted in the wrong things. Rooted in politics or ideologies that masquerade as the way of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the love of Jesus. And if we're going to be the church, you can think locally, you can think globally. If we're going to be the church that we're called to be, we need the Spirit to strengthen and establish us, to root us in the love of Jesus. Jesus. 
Now as we dive into Galatians 5 here, Paul is showing us here there is an enemy to abiding in Christ. Sometimes it's called the flesh, as you'll see in this translation. Sometimes it's called the sinful nature. Same thing. Those deep desires opposed to God and obedience, that's what we're talking about. We know they aren't right. Sometimes we say it's easier to give in than it is to fight it, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Starting in verse 16, Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The enemy is our flesh. Yes, Satan is an enemy. He will tempt us. But you know what he does? Is he takes those things that are in our flesh, that are already a part of us and inside of us, and he amplifies them to make life hard. He's utilizing the enemy that's within us to make our battle hard. But he himself is an external enemy. But Paul is saying, our main enemy is within us. It's my fleshly desires that are the problem. See if this resonates. When we start talking about our enemies, we say like, the enemy is Republicans or Democrats. The enemies are radical left or globalists or socialists. The enemy is critical race theory or Black Lives Matter or white supremacists. The enemy is get a vaccine or don't get a vaccine. The enemy is wear a mask or don't wear a mask. There's election fraud or election suppression. There's COVID numbers. Are they real or not? There's abortion. There's gay marriage and on and on and on. I could keep going forever. But what I want you to hear is, is not these issues and saying they're not causing problems because they are. This is not about taking sides on those issues. The point is that those are all external. And they're being used to fuel and stoke our flesh with our internal enemy. We've made those things the reason why it's so hard to abide in Jesus. We can't do that because, well, it's so hard because... It's hard, not because of those issues, but because of our flesh. Put the blame where it belongs. Those other things are just stoking the flesh. As we continue reading in Galatians 5, Paul starts to point out some aspects of the flesh. This is the fruit that is produced when the flesh is what we're abiding in rather than in Jesus. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Just pause there for a second. Sorcery, I feel like we tend to just chalk that up. Well, sorcery is magic, evil. Sure, it is those things. But it's also any sense of grasping for control and twisting things and manipulating things to be the way we want them to be. That can fall under sorcery as well. But as we keep reading this next section of, of fruit that comes from abiding in the flesh, please, really, pause and think through each one. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. you see any of those at play? Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, remember, the main enemy is the flesh. The climate that we live in, it's external things. That's stoking the flesh. One of the things that really stokes our flesh, the media we consume. We recently... During last school year, we did a series on media with the youth group. And we focused intentionally on the concept of consuming it, because that's what we do. You familiar with the word binge? <laughs> that's massive consuming of media. We come to abide in media. And I think that sometimes... It's likely that we abide in media more than we abide in Jesus. And what happens when we abide in media more than we abide in Jesus is that we begin to produce the wrong fruit. Fruit is the proof of what we're abiding in. Look at the fruit and you'll find where you're abiding. Do you feel in any way, as we look back at that list, Enemy, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. Do you feel that any of those things have come up more in you or in our midst in the last year or so? Because the presence of those things shows us that we're not abiding in Jesus, but in the flesh. And media might be one of those things that has caused the wrong fruit to be developed. Maybe it's something else. Only you can really look and see what it is that you're abiding in. Cause the wrong fruit to be developed regardless of what it is, unless it's Jesus. But a lot of times we try to justify it. We say like, I'm just flipping tables like Jesus. Come on, guys. We're not cleansing temples. And if this is what people encounter in us, if all they hear is a resounding gong, if our lives smell more like America first than kingdom first, more like hate and anger than love, more like dissension and division than a family, 
And what have we been abiding in? Shouldn't people be experiencing the gentle and lowly way of Jesus? We make people feel unwelcome because the fruit doesn't look like Jesus. And let's face it, it's also not a good look for Jesus. We are called to be more than we are. He calls us to healing through abiding. If we want our lives to produce fruit, we have to check our roots. In Galatians 5 here, Paul's translation of abide, kind of taking what Jesus said in John 15, his version of abide is walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. It's not working harder. It's not achieving more or proving yourself or making everybody else happy or having great experiences, it's walk by, be led by, keep in step with. The founder of our denomination, A.B. Simpson, he said this. Now, you've got a short portion of the end of the quote. I'm going to read the whole thing. The filling is all connected with a living person. We are not filled with an influence. We are not filled with a sensation. We are not filled with a set of ideas and truths. We are not filled with a blessing, but we are filled with a person. This is very strange and striking. It is wholly different from all other teaching. Human systems of philosophy and religion all deal mainly with intellectual truths, moral conditions, or external acts. Greek philosophy was a system of ideas. Confucianism, a system of morals. Judaism, a system of laws and ceremonies. Christianity all centers in a living person. And its very essence is the indwelling life of Christ himself. He was not only its head and founder, but he is forever its living heart and substance. And the Holy Spirit is simply the agent and channel through whom he enters, possesses, and operates in the consecrated heart. This reduces Christian life to great simplicity. We do not require to get filled in a great many compartments and with a great many different experiences, ideas, or influences, but in the center of our being to receive him in his personal life and fullness. And then he flows into every part and lives out his own life in all the diversified experiences and activities of our manifold life. I know that is a lot to swallow. Jesus is the soil and the vine. We are the branches, and the Spirit is the fountain and the channel for living water. The fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the flavor profile of abiding in Jesus. It's the invisible God making himself visible through us. We are the way people see God. What are we showing them? Which fruit is coming out in our lives? The last verse of John chapter 15. We didn't read it in our, in our main passage, but verse 27 in John 15. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. 
we will bear witness of Jesus because we've been with Jesus. The fruit is the proof that we've been with Jesus. There's been a key phrase in the alliance over the last several years. All of Jesus for all the world. It's a great thing to drive a ministry on, right? But for us to give all of Jesus to all the world, it requires all of Jesus in all of us. We can't help spread Jesus to the whole world if he's not in us, if we don't have his fruit, his flavor, his likeness. I want to give you guys a challenge. If you know what you're abiding in, and it's not Jesus, take a two-week fast from it. If you don't know what it is, take some time to figure out what it is, and then take a two-week fast from it. In a Mission Impossible way, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it. Um, It's a challenge for all of us, myself included. I'm going to pick on media again for a minute. It, It could be anything else that you're abiding in. I don't know. Maybe you don't either. But I'm going to pick on media again for a minute because I know it's a prominent one. If that's you, fast from media for two weeks. Maybe you need to fast from CNN or Fox News or Newsmax, whatever it is. Just don't have it on. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's unbelievable how much those things influence us how much we end up abiding in them. Even good things, like some of the blogs that we read, uh, and hear my heart on this, pastors that we listen to, or the books that we read. Pass from them all. Two weeks. Instead, Lean into Jesus. His word, prayer, worship, listening to what the Spirit would say. Maybe the argument is, those voices are good. They're leading me to Jesus. Then I ask you this, are you willing to listen to just one voice? The voice of Jesus. I want to challenge you in these next two weeks. Turn off the other voices and see the difference it will make in your life when you lean wholly into Jesus instead of the other stuff. I know two weeks isn't a long time, but I'm going to bet you're going to start to see a difference in the fruit that you're producing. I can't help but think of, of David, not David, wrong person, Daniel, and he said, I can't eat that stuff. For 10 days, just let me eat this stuff. And after 10 days of eating what he felt God was calling him to eat, he was healthier than all of the other people in Babylon. It's a similar idea here. Run a test for two weeks. Live just on this stuff, just on Jesus. See how much stronger you are when you come out the other end.
see what fruit is being born into your life. We're going to finish out Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Fruit enabled by the Spirit is what flows out of our lives as we abide in Him. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. He crucified it for us. We don't have to abide in the flesh anymore. We can instead choose to abide in Jesus. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. It's time to identify where we've been abiding. And the way to do that is to look at the fruit. So during these next two weeks, take a hard look at the fruit that your life is producing and adjust accordingly. Lean into Jesus. I'm going to close us in a word of prayer and then I'm going to invite Pastor Doug to come on up. Lord God, we thank you for your word and how it gives life. Lord, allow the words we have heard from you this morning to breathe life into us. That we might lean into you, abide in only you. Lord, permeate every part of our lives that we might pick up your flavor. In your name we pray.